Hey, this is Joe Bakmotsky, and welcome to Simplify Cancer Podcast. I've got a great conversation for you today. I'm talking to my new friends, Gabriel and Alex. They have a podcast called Soar Above Cancer, which I love. And we're having a fantastic chat today about what it's really like to be a young adult who's dealing with cancer. So fantastic to have you on, guys. Alex, I really want to start with you first. What what was life like before cancer? Yeah, so myself at the time of diagnosis, right before that, I was about 20 years old. I was in university, so I was actually studying my Bachelor of Commerce degree. That was interesting. I was very into my academics. I was very interested in school, into the business aspect, working as often as possible on my studies and things like that. And when you're 20, you have a big social life, so I was trying to hang out with friends as often as possible, go out on Friday, Saturday nights, and even physically. Physically, I was in the gym as often as possible. I was very active. I was building up muscle, and at that time in your life, you're kind of figuring out where you are in terms of what you want to do, in terms of the type of person you want to be. You're meeting new people. You're meeting new friends, so it was a very fast-paced lifestyle in a sense, And it was at the time where you feel a little bit carefree and on top of the world because when you're 19, 20 years old, first of all, you feel like you know everything and you feel like when you plan something out, you feel like that's kind of what's going to happen. It's you're going to see it through fruition. And obviously, at the time of diagnosis, it kind of changes your perspective on things. But prior to that, I was a very active human being. So it was uh, it was a big drastic change when that happened. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. What about you, Gabriel? What was it like for you? I was also in university, actually, similar experience as Alex. I was 19. I was completing my second, I had completed my second year of my bachelor's degree. So I was, like Alex, very involved with school, with friends, kind of focusing on on just getting it done and enjoying that life of a young adult that, like Alex said, is kind of carefree and and really out there. And you get to experience a lot of new things and living on my own for the first time too. And then the diagnosis happens. And then there's that huge drastic switch that a lot of young adults do live where you might become dependent again and the life just isn't the same. Yeah, absolutely. So Gabriel, what was going through your mind when you, I guess, first found out that you had cancer? I tend to like to think that I was really thinking, I've got this. And I think I I was to a certain degree. I think I was in denial too at first about how big this cancer experience would actually become. But I like to think that my first initial thought was, I can do this and I've got this and, and we can kind of go from there and whatever happens, I can manage. It won't be easy, but I can manage it. Yeah, yeah, it's great that you kind of felt that you could work it out. Alex, did you kind of feel the similar way? I could say so, but initially I I would say shocked. I think for the first 10 seconds or so, I didn't really know how to react. And obviously your parents are in the room, so you want to be strong, but it's a new experience. It's not something you feel like you'd hear at any age, let alone when you're younger. So for myself, I thought it would be 
maybe easier than I anticipated. Obviously, the words leukemia or cancer in general, you know, you think the worst, but at the same time, you think, okay, I'm young, maybe it'll be okay. All I have to do is is deal with the treatment that they're giving with me. It's almost as if you're just saying, here's here's the tools. Now you just got to do this and you'll be fine. And so my mentality was it was just a straight line. Let's just focus on the task at hand. And, and hopefully with the support of the people around me, then I can be fine. But at the same time, I was so focused on my life prior. I think one of the first thoughts was, oh no, this sucks. I'm not going to be able to stay in school. Not like, oh, my health is in jeopardy, not, okay, now I'm going to lose two years to focus on cancer, right? So your priorities were kind of, mine were, weren't really in check. And so yes. it was definitely, it was definitely a whirlwind. Yeah. Um, but it, it was, you know, it was difficult to take at first. And, and so I think my initial thought was I can do this, but let's at least reach out to my support system and, and I guess let everybody know what's going on. Yeah, absolutely. And you mentioned that, you know, your parents were there and you're kind of trying to, I guess, not freak out for them as well. Yeah. So what was it like with, yeah, with your family and, and friends? Did you feel that you had to kind of behave in a certain way? Yeah, it's tough because I think you feel like you have to become, sort of be the same person that you were initially. Because it's hard when you get all this information, I know one of the first days everybody came in, the doctor, the, the new dentist I might be dealing with, uh, the nurses, everyone with all this new information. And, and you and me and my parents, we knew all of the stuff we had to do within the first couple of months. We knew kind of how the situation went. We had uh, a regular routine. But at the same time, not a lot of people outside of my immediate family kind of knew what was going on. They knew the idea of cancer, but the idea of what comes with that, it's a very vague image of what to expect. So for myself, I felt a lot of the time I had to put on this brave face. I had to kind of be the exact same person. And I didn't really like to be pitied, so I always tried to be as strong as I, I could possibly could, even though there were certain days where I didn't feel like even talking to anyone. So I did have one thing I will say is an amazing support system. Some of the closest I've ever felt to my family. And they were by far, in a way, the, the part that made it the easiest for me to actually go through this experience. But I know a lot of the times I kind of felt like I had to be the same strong person and, and I had to be as confident as possible because I didn't want to look weak at any point, which is hard because there's some good days and there's some bad days. Yeah, absolutely. It's hard because, yeah, sometimes you just to kind of pull yourself together and you, know, you don't really know what to say. Gabriel, what about you? Like, how did you react with other people? So I was really open about my cancer experience. I've, I've always been and I continue to be because I think it's important to share that. I've had the misfortune to go through it, through a lot of it. And for me, it was important for me to just be open. And by being open, I think it allowed other people to be a little more comfortable with the experience too, which allowed them to be a little more present in my life. Because when you're diagnosed at 19, you have family who's, who's more than amazing and able to show up and they know how to and, and they just love you unconditionally. So they're able to show up. But when it comes to your social life, you're 19 and no one really knows how to react. So by being open and really capable of speaking on the subject and being comfortable. So I used to, I used to be able to take off my scarf and, and I didn't have hair and I just felt really comfortable talking about it and being with that experience that I think helps me cope within my social group and let them in to that experience that was new for all of us. 
Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And uh, when you were going through treatment, did you know anyone else who had cancer or especially like young adults? So we have a wonderful community here in Canada, and Alex, you'll be able to speak to that too, I'm sure. Uh, we have an organization called Young Adult Cancer Canada, and they are absolutely amazing. They have local chapters in the major cities, as well as they do retreats and a conference, and there's online forums where we get to kind of chat. So I wasn't very active with them from the start, but as I went along, I did meet some people through that website, and that's actually how Alex and I met, and and that was a huge support. And I think it's it's important to be able to talk to other young adults who are going through that experience because it's such a unique perspective on the entire experience of cancer. So I'm sure, Alex, you have more to add about Yak, but uh, for me, that was really key when getting in touch with other people who know, who just understood what I was going through. Yeah, absolutely. Yak, what a great acronym. (laughs) Alex, what what was was it like for you, man? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I didn't know anyone, I think, going through the actual, actual experience, especially when I first started. I know, I think I knew one person who I used to go to school with who had lymphoma at one point and went through the experience. And I had reached out to him when he was going through it, I think a couple of years prior to me, but it was just, you know, I hope everything's okay. Everything's going fine with you. If you need anything, let me know. It was brief. And then when I had it, it was kind of, I was in this by myself in terms of the actual cancer community. And then similar to what Gabrielle was mentioning, I found Yak, Young Adult Cancer Canada. And they, the founder actually reached out to me about a month into my, my treatment and I just wasn't listening. I wasn't having it. I didn't really want to deal with any other people with cancer. I felt like, okay, I don't really want to have to talk about this like a social support group. I think I'm just going to focus on my friends. Maybe I'll just push through this and then in two years I'll be fine. And it worked. But at the end, I said, okay, I met someone through the hospital that I went to in Toronto, it's, um, Princess Margaret Hospital. So it's the cancer center there. And I think I met someone who was going on their last day and we talked a little. I found them on the Yak website. And we started chatting and she said, you know, you should just come out to this program and just kind of meet some of these people. And that was kind of my introduction into Yak. And from then on, we met, I've met like 100, 150, 200 people around who are similar in age. It's about 18 to 39 years old that are going through it and you can talk to them about anything. They have the survivor conference every year where about 100 people come in and it's like a two or three week activities, conferences, all that fun stuff. So Afterwards, I felt that community and I was able to talk to people about everything. But initially, I didn't really know a whole lot of people. So it was it was difficult. But once you kind of find that calling, it was fantastic. So I always recommend getting in touch with people going through the same thing because it's it's really a good shoulder to lie on. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I kind of really regret not having that support system, you know, as in this people who go in through this experience. I mean, in a way, it's just I was meeting, uh, you know, this one guy at the hospital, which was really a fantastic experience because it's just, I guess no matter what support you have from family and friends, there are still times when you feel lost, when you feel confused, when you feel alone. So did you ever feel like that? And and if so, like, what would you do then? Yeah. Well, I know for me, if you, there's always times you feel alone because if you have your family and friends, like you said, there, there's there's a support system but they're not, it's not firsthand. It's something that you have to experience, you know, when you're feeling sick and nauseous or mentally drained, it's something that you're dealing with, not everyone else firsthand. You kind of have to 
search inside yourself and deal with it. And so for myself, I just tried to keep busy. I would find a book to read or I would find somewhere to kind of escape reality, put on a movie, go for a walk, clear my head. And I kind of like being by myself even now when I like my alone time. And I think a lot of that stems from the cancer experience itself. But when there's times I just kind of felt alone, either I would just I would deal with it in the sense of I would find a way to escape reality through fiction or through reading a book, an activity, trying to work out in some capacity. Um, and then in times where it was just too dark and it was just too difficult to deal with myself, I'd probably try and reach out to someone in my family and just kind of chat with them or meet with a friend I hadn't seen in a while and say, do you want to just grab a coffee? Just kind of go out, chat about life and kind of see where that conversation goes. So there's a lot of different ways to deal with it, but there definitely was times you feel alone, even when you have so many people around you, because unless you kind of have someone who knows exactly what you're going through, sometimes there's certain aspects of life that you just can't really talk about. Yeah, absolutely. Gabriel, how did you try to find that balance of being kind of by yourself and with other people? Yeah, I I think I'm very introverted. So I think a lot by myself. I, I reflect a lot. So that's a time that I, I really do need to kind of process the experience. And I've done it through kind of the entire experience. And I continue to do so now, considering that it's not necessarily over after treatments are. And you kind of there's stuff to deal with afterwards too. So I continue to be really reflective and, and enjoying that time by myself where I do get to reflect on everything that's happened and figure things out for myself. At the same time, I really enjoy having that support from others. So my family's great. And of course, they offer me most of the support that I get, but as well as, as socially, I have friends who are have stuck with me through the entire process who understand my story and who are still around, which is really nice. And, and of course, Young Adult Cancer Canada has offered me an opportunity to be social and receive that support from others. So balancing it becomes easy when you have such a great support system who allows you the time that you need to be alone and to reflect and to process, but also welcomes you with such open arms when when you need to to chat and and to get your mind off things yeah that's a great balance so in terms of like reflecting do you have your own process what, what do you do i am just a thinker i think i just think all the time <laughs> that, that's in my nature and and my character i do have a blog and alex and i have the podcast where i do get to reflect a lot. So I've actually been, I had stopped blogging for a while just because things were getting hectic in my life, but I started again. And I think that that's one of the best ways for me to reflect on things. I get to put my thoughts on paper, kind of put them in an organized fashion because in your head, they're never really that organized. <laughs> and we get to share it either on the blog or with Alex and, and our guests. So that's always a lot of fun. Yeah, that's great. So Alex, what about you, man? Do you do things apart from the podcast, like in some structured way? So I had started actually about eight months ago, kind of writing on a Microsoft Word document. And I wanted to start a book, kind of like an autobiographical piece about what I went through just for the two and a half, three years of right before cancer and cancer itself and going through it. And then a little bit of right now. So I got about 40 or 50 pages in and then I kind of took a hiatus based on, like Gabrielle said, you get busy, you have other stuff going on. And then once you take a break, sometimes it's hard to get back into it. So it's been something I've been meaning to get back to. 
because it is good to reflect and I want to be able to write out and discuss so many of the points that I went through, whether it's good, whether it was bad, trying to piece together a lot of ideas and advice to the next set of cancer thrivers that kind of are going through the things that they have to go through. So it's not something I was working on recently, but it was something I was working on last summer. And it's something that I really do want to get back to because it, it helps me kind of get some peace of mind and some closure on the, the experience itself. And it obviously, when, when something maybe comes out and it can actually put something together, if I can actually publish a book one day, then it would benefit the kind of people going through cancer in a young adult sense. And even maybe when you're a little kid or if you're really older, because a lot of the, a lot of the advice and a lot of the lessons are, are universal. Yeah, it's interesting how your, your perspective changes again from, let's say, the moment you find out you've got cancer to the moment when you're like in treatment. And then now, like, because, you know, you're still going through checkups. Uh, when you were thinking about the book and thinking about it now, how does your perspective change around that? Yeah, I mean, it, it's a lot because when you originally start, I think a lot of people going through cancer really just want it to end. They don't want to have to deal with any of this ever again. And I'm speaking for myself, but I know I just didn't want to have to do with anything. I didn't want to bother talking to anyone about it. It was just, okay, we have, what, the two and a half years, two years, two months, and let's just do it and, we'll, and we're done with it. So I didn't even want to have to write about it or talk about it. And then when you get either halfway through or near the end, you start realizing, okay, obviously this isn't fantastic, but I'm learning a lot about myself. I'm learning a lot about what I want to do in the future. And as much as it, I don't want it to be a part of my life, it is actually a part of my life. And it's something that I should be a little bit more aware of and maybe use it to benefit the greater good. So even something like Gabrielle and I and, and yourself making these podcasts and the vlogs and stuff like that, we do it for ourselves, but we do it for others. And so even writing a book, it's like, okay, and I get to write out my thoughts, but then I also get to help out people, hopefully, who get to see this perspective. And even if I can help one or two individuals, then I've kind of done my part to give back. And it kind of makes you somewhat of a advocate for cancer, even if you don't want to have to deal with the treatment all over again or something like that. So your perspective changed because it becomes a part of your life. And a lot of people really just want to give back and they want to help as much as possible. Yeah, exactly. Because I guess life is never the same after cancer, right? Absolutely. No, no, it's, it's completely different. There's so much there's so much change. There's so much thought process that goes into, okay, what do I want to, want to do in the future now? Everything changed. And you don't see life as differently. There's a lot of cliches that go into it. Things like, oh, you know what? When something like this happens, life is, is so precious. And everyone's like, oh, yeah, it's a cliche. <laughs> but it's true. You know what I mean? And, and, and yeah. I'm sure everyone can, can agree to that. Yeah, exactly. Gabrielle, and, and what about you? How does life look like for you now? So life has changed dramatically since the diagnosis day. And that's okay. I think it changed for the better. And looking back, I think I've I've grown a lot from this experience. So all the changes have been good and have been things that I've actually chosen to do. So for example, I was heading to law school or planning to head to law school in the future before I was diagnosed. And through the experience, I decided that that wasn't for me and the lifestyle that wasn't just wasn't what I wanted to do. So I'm now in social work and able to work with the cancer population. So those are all choices that I've made that have made life so drastically different from when I was diagnosed, but for the better. And that's great. And still today, I think I'm still changing my lifestyle a lot as I go, because like I, I said earlier, I don't think cancer is done, unfortunately, when you ring that bell or when treatment is over. And I think I'm still learning and still discovering a lot of things 
about myself that makes life continuously change, which is kind of what life is all about. Uh, but yeah, so life is definitely very, very different, but I think all for the better, which is fun and encouraging to hear. Yeah, and I think that is exactly the most, one of the most powerful things that I guess people want to hear. I think, you know, like we touched on the fact that there are times when all of us feel lost and alone. And I think it's important for people at the start of the journey or, or during this journey to realize that there is life after cancer and that it may be even a better place than where, where you're at now. But it's just knowing that there is this light at the end of the tunnel, right? Absolutely. I was actually uh, reflecting this week because my cancer experience has not been easy like any cancer experience is. And there's been a lot of up and downs, especially when it comes to the psychological mental health kind of aspects. And I think that's one of the most difficult aspects of my cancer experience. But then I came to waking up this week feeling really encouraged and for the first time kind of feeling like myself again. And I I was really surprised and it was a, a wonderful feeling because I never thought that I would really get back to that person and, and back to feeling this great about life. And I did. And it was lovely being able to wake up this morning. And I've been trying to think, how can I capture that to kind of give that hope to someone who's newly diagnosed? Because you're going to have hard times ahead. But look, this moment is coming eventually. So you saying that kind of brought me back to those mornings where finally it really there is a light at the end of the tunnel, which is really great. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> That's fantastic. What about you, Alex? Did you what's that moment like for you? Like just I guess if you had a friend who just got diagnosed with cancer, what would you tell him or her about what's coming that way and, and that there is hope? Yeah. Well, I think the first thing you have to say is look, as long as it seems like this is going to be and as dark as it seems like the worst thing that you can picture it's going to get better and regardless of that scenario is that there's always there's always a silver lining when it comes to something like this there's obviously going to be your dark days there's going to be your your bright days but regardless of the scenario is that you it will get better in some aspect you will get used to what's going on and you will have the support system whether you want it or whether you don't and whether that comes in your family, whether that comes in the friends that you have around you, whether that is for us, Yak specifically, or whether it's some type of support system that is a, is a family of cancer thrivers around, cancer survivors that understand exactly what you're going through, is there's always a light at the end of the tunnel. And and essentially is someone that I would know if it was one of my best friends, I say, listen, you already have me personally for whatever you need. I know exactly what I've gone through. And I know every cancer survivor's experience is a little bit different. And everybody goes through something different, but there's a lot of similarities. And so a lot of the mental health aspects, the physical aspects are very similar. And whenever you need help, I'll be there for you. But at the end of the day, when you are saying, okay, this is how long I have to do the treatment. If it comes back, then I have to go through it again. You know, at the end of the day, you have your support system and it will get better. That's kind of the thing that, that I would want to tell that individual. Fantastic. Thank you so much, guys. And, and tell me about the podcast. How did it get started and how can someone find you? Yeah, so Gabrielle, I'll let you, I'll let you answer that one. So the podcast started, it was started by me. So I did do almost a year 
of podcasting by myself and you can find all those episodes we didn't delete them or anything so but and then I got joined by Alex uh so we've been co-hosting for about a year now which is awesome we we've grown this podcast I think in great ways so the name of the podcast is so above cancer that came about just because I was kind of tired of just kind of surviving through the experience and and I had done a lot of work around how can I really create a life for myself and start really living and not just surviving. And I thought that it was a great opportunity for me to kind of get out there and share my story, which is as much therapeutic as it was to help people. So I think it was it's, it's for both purposes. And I just fell in love with the process and blogging and all of that. So I really wanted to bring to people who are living through this experience just tips and and tricks and just our stories and the stories of others who come on the podcast that can really make a difference in their day. And we try to make it weekly so that people who are going through treatment can listen to it during their treatment days or and not too long because we understand that half of us or mo- probably more than half of us have chemo brains so we can't concentrate on anything for a long time. So we've really tried to make it for people living with cancer so that they can benefit from something for them. Yeah, that's fantastic. Thank you so much for what you do, guys, because I think that's that's fantastic. That's what gives people hope and understanding and, I guess, inspiration to go on. And thanks so much for your time. Well, thanks for having us on. Yeah, thank you. Hey, this is Joe Bakmutsky, and thanks so much for listening. Listen, I just want to take a moment to really thank you for your time, because I know that it's precious, but also I want to congratulate you. I really want to congratulate you on listening to this podcast, because as we both know, cancer is incredibly hard to deal with, and you don't want to go it alone. And you want all the support and all the advice that you can get to, to stay on top of it, to stay on top of your worries during cancer. So I, I want to tell you about the tools that I have available on my website on simplifycancer.com that can really help you. So all of these tools are available under the tools menu on simplifycancer.com. So tool number one, that's the first visit oncologist checklist. So if the word oncologist bothers you, like I, I know it really freaked me out. If you are worried about your first appointment, as, as again, as we all are, then this can really help you with some key questions that you want to ask. The key thing, of course, is having a list like this means that you won't forget something important, which is easy enough to do when, when you've got a million things going through your head. Plus, it's a handy PDF, so it's easy to print and write down all the answers so you don't forget. So then there is the outcome map. Like this is a really simple but really powerful tool that I have developed to help you deal with worries about something specific, something that's bothering you right now. So maybe you're waiting for your test results and your mind's off running in a million different directions. Or maybe you've got an ache or pain and you don't know what it is. Like, is it cancer? Is that a side effect from treatment? Or maybe is that something else altogether? So it will kind of help you to put it all together so you can you can get a bird's eye view and decide how to best deal with it. Number three is mastering your emotions during cancer. Now, this is a walk through all the stages that you go through as a patient and as a caregiver through anger and through guilt and fear and how you can address your needs, your emotional needs on every level during cancer. 
Like it came about after many discussions that I had with my friend and my colleague. Her name is Jill. Her husband had prostate cancer. So, uh, so he, she has this kind of caregiver's perspective. And we both like talked about how there are so many times, um, when you go through cancer, when you kind of just feel alone and you're struggling, you're on this roller coaster of emotions and it's kind of, full on and it's hard to deal with. So there, there's an audio version that comes along with it and there's a link to download the MP3 if that's what you want or you can just listen to it online and, you know, and just uh, listen along with the PDF. So another one is testicular cancer support kit. This has a one page summary of what the testicular cancer journey looks like that you can check out for yourself or share with your family or friends. Like it's got a helicopter view of all the symptoms and treatments and who's involved and what happens when. And it's really great. One kind of page view of like what happens during testicular cancer. Plus, the kit also includes like ready-to-go email templates for your family, friends, and your workmates. So you can kind of share what's what's happened. Maybe you want to break the news on cancer and you don't want to think about and wreck your brain on what to write. So you can just copy and paste. You can tweak it a little bit so to suit your personality and you're good to go. And I've also done the same thing for prostate cancer. So check out the prostate cancer support kit. Again, it's showing all the treatment options and stages on one page. So you can walk someone through it, like someone from your family or a friend. And they know what to expect and how it all happens. And of course, when you sign up for any of my tools, and we just talked about, you also get an email from me when, when there's a new episode that's kind of relevant to you right now and other news from the world of simplified cancer. And listen, I'm, I'm going to keep on asking you about how I'm doing here. I mean, are you getting what, you, what you're looking for? Was there something in particular that, that really made sense to you? Or is there a question that you want to ask? Or maybe there's, there's just something that you, you want to get off your chest. Like, please, I need to know. Just reply to any of my emails or send me an email right now. My email is joe at simplifycancer.com. So that's J-O-E at simplifycancer.com. And send me an email whenever you've got anything on your mind. So again, I want to thank you for listening. Till next time. 